Well, take your Bibles and turn to Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk chapter 3, for those of you who have not been here, that's five books from the end of the Old Testament after Nahum. And I want you to follow with me as I read the first 15 verses of that chapter, Habakkuk chapter 3. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shijianoth. Lord, I have heard the report about you, and I fear. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God comes from Teman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covers the heavens, and the earth is full of praise. His radiance is like the sunlight. He has rays flashing from His hand, and there is the hiding of His power. Before Him goes pestilence, and plague comes after Him. He stood and surveyed the earth. He looked and startled the nations. Yes, the perpetual mountains were shattered. The ancient hills collapsed. His ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of Cushion under distress. The tent curtains of the land of Midian were trembling. Did the Lord rage against the rivers? Or was your anger against the rivers? Or was your wrath against the sea that you rode on your horses, on your chariots of salvation? Your bow was made bare. The rods of chastisement were sworn. You cleave the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and quaked. The downpour of water swept by. The deep uttered forth its voice. It lifted high its hands. Sun and moon stood in their places. They went away in the light of your arrows and the radiance of your uh, gleaming spear. In indignation you marched through the earth. In anger you trampled the nations. You went forth for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You struck the head of the house of the evil to lay him open from thigh to neck. You pierced with his own spears the head of his throngs. They stormed in to scatter us. Their exaltation was like those who devour the oppressed in secret. You trampled on the sea with your horses on the surge of many waters. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You know, up to this point, Habakkuk has heard God's plan to punish Judah and bring judgment upon Babylon. That's what the first two chapters are essentially about. Now, as you can see from this section that we just read together, it is a prayer from the prophet. That is what is stated there in the first verse, right? Yes, absolutely. But it's a prayer that is much different from the prayers of chapter 1, which breathed an air of confusion and distress. Here, it seems to have a tone of worship about it, doesn't it? Yeah. In fact, it's been set to music with emotional or impassioned overtures. That seems clear by that Hebrew term, shijianoth. Now try that out sometime. <laughs> that term is only used one other time, and that's in Psalm 7. 
And basically, it's just saying that this song has all sorts of emotion engraved into it. I do believe that this prayer is a reflection of Habakkuk growing in faith. There is no doubt about it. But it is also flowing out of what God said in the last verse of chapter 2. Look at verse 20 there. But the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before Him. That is, quietly submit to Him. Trust Him, honor Him, even though you don't fully grasp or understand His ways. It goes back to what was read this morning in our scripture reading. Psalm 46 and verse 10. Cease striving or be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And so what we see in this chapter is Habakkuk's worshipful response to all that was happening and would happen in the days ahead, in the future. So how about you, beloved? How are you responding to all that is going on around you in this day and age? Are you fretting over what seems to be the wicked's success? Well, turn to God's Word. Turn to God's Word. See His person and plan and bend the knee in prayer like Habakkuk did. Now, what does this look like? Well, verse 2 and following give us a glimpse. And so I want you to consider with me three important elements of prayer Found it in this passage and trust that God will use it to strengthen your hearts before Him in these days. And we're only going to look at the first two this morning, alright? The first element is there in the beginning of verse 2. Look what it says again. Lord, I have heard the report about you or your report. And I fear. And your work, O Lord, I fear. Either way. Those translations are both in the NASB and in the ESV. So what appears to be the important element of prayer here? It's this. Pray out of a fear of God. Pray out of a fear of God. The Hebrew word here is yara, which most often speaks to a fear of God, as it does in this text. And I think the following words in this verse confirm that. That what you have here is the prophet in awe of God. He's struck with awe, rather than a natural fear of what God is going to do. Indeed, this is about one's attitude in prayer. I said last week, imagine what was going on in the heart of Habakkuk as he listened and saw the prophecy that was communicated on tablets to the people. It was a sober reality that God was in charge and must be taken seriously. 
Absolutely. And so fearing God was Habakkuk's attitude in prayer. A proper response to the report that he heard from God in the first two chapters. Now having said that, what is it to fear God? That's a good question to bring up right now. What is it to fear God? And I believe you know because we have considered this before, right? Sure. But for clarity's sake, it's simply being in awe of God. Humbly respecting Him and His ways. Look with me back at chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, where Habakkuk was demonstrating this attitude which I believe carried him through chapter 2 and into this prayer of chapter 3. It says back there in chapter 1, verse 12, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? O God, you are eternal. You know the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. You know everything that goes on in between. There's nothing hidden from your sight. He goes on to say, we will not die. You, O Lord, have appointed them to judge. And you, O Rock, have established them to correct. God is sovereign. He has a plan and it's going to happen. There's no getting around it. He's acknowledging that after hearing what God said in verses 5 to 11. But he doesn't stop. Verse 13, your eyes are too pure to approve evil and you cannot look on wickedness with favor. God, you're holy. You're without sin. Help me to respect you. Help me to stand in awe of you in light of what I know about you. And so that was on his heart. And it carried him forward to the prayer that we see in chapter 3. And so when Habakkuk prayed, what did this holy fear entail in his heart? We know what it is, but what did it entail? What did it result in? Well, for one, it called him to a cleansed heart. It called him to a cleansed heart. Now, holding your space here in Habakkuk, let's go to Proverbs. We're going to be there for a few minutes. And so I want you to hold your space here in Habakkuk. And go with me to Proverbs chapter 3. If you want to know what the fear of the Lord looks like in our everyday lives, you're going to find it in Proverbs. It teaches us about that very thing. So Proverbs chapter 3, I want us to see what it says, first of all, in verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and what? Turn away from evil. Look with me at chapter 8 in verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate. Look with me at Proverbs 16 in verse 6. By loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one what? Keeps away from evil. 
We read in Psalm 66 in verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. In 1 Peter 1, 16 and 17, it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during your stay on earth. And so, when we think about fearing the Lord, it calls us to cleanse hearts. Because the one who fears the Lord turns away from evil. You see, God is holy. But it also called Habakkuk here to a confident heart. Again, God is eternal. God is sovereign. And so therefore, we can find our refuge in Him. It called him to a confident heart. Again, Proverbs 14 and verse 26. What does it say there? In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence and his children will have refuge. Psalm 115 and verse 11. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Yes, one who fears the Lord finds confidence in the Lord because of who He is. He's eternal. He is sovereign. But it doesn't stop there. This fear of the Lord calls one to a committed heart as well. A committed heart. Look at Proverbs 14 and verse 2. He who walks in his uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him. You see, as Habakkuk came before the throne of God, it was God's way that he desired, no matter what. That's why it says in Psalm 37, 4 and 5, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. God's desires will become your desires. Commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He will bring it. That is your way to pass. The one who fears the Lord has a cleansed heart, a confident heart, and a committed heart. I like what James Boyce quoted Martin Lloyd-Jones as saying. This is very significant. Listen to what Lloyd-Jones said. How was Habakkuk brought to such a humble position? It would seem that it was when he stopped thinking of his own nation or of the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, and contemplated only the holiness and justice of God against the dark background of sin in the world. Our problems can nearly all be traced to our persistence in looking at the immediate problems themselves instead of looking at them in the light of God, who is eternal, who is sovereign, who is holy. Let's look at our situation in light of who God is. And those problems become small. Because who's in charge? It's God. It's Yahweh God. The God of the Bible. I appreciate that insight from Lloyd-Jones on this passage of Scripture. And so what about you, beloved? As you sit here this morning. It may be that you don't know God. And therefore, you don't fear Him. You don't. 
And so my prayer for you is that God would help you to see your sin in light of his holiness and bring you to repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my prayer. Then and only then will you begin to fear the Lord and be able to pray with him having a right heart. Proverbs 9 and verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It sure is. On the other hand, you may be God's child here this morning, but weak. You're more concerned about problems around you than looking at them through the lens of Almighty God. If that's where you're at, then let me say this to you. Proverbs 2 can be of tremendous help to you. Proverbs 2. Proverbs 2 talks about the fear of the Lord, how to know the fear of the Lord, and then your behavior in light of the fear of the Lord. And so I would encourage you this week to spend some time meditating upon it and asking God to develop a healthy fear of Him in your heart. And you know what? He will. Mark my word, He will. Because that is His will. Then daily you will find yourself trusting Him with the cares of this world and being committed to Him. Fearing Him. Because you'll come to know God and who He is. As the prophet did and meditated upon. God is eternal. He's sovereign. He is holy. Therefore, my focus is on Him in the midst of what's going on around me. That was the attitude of Habakkuk. That which he had in prayer as he considered the person and work of God. And I trust that you will too. So the first element of this wonderful prayer is to pray out of a fear of God. That brings me to another important element. And it's there at the end of verse 2. Look what Habakkuk goes on to say. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. So what is captured here? It's pretty simple. Pray in the will of God. Pray in the will of God. That's what is going on in that verse. In fact, what happens when the fear of the Lord is on your heart? Your will be done. And so upon hearing God's sovereign plan, Habakkuk essentially said, Bring it on, O Lord. Bring it on. And he lifted up two requests. Two requests accordingly. First, he prayed for a manifestation of Yahweh's might here. Look what it says in the middle part of that verse again. Oh Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. What is he saying there? Well, God in the past had powerfully demonstrated his justice with Israel when they persisted in their sin. For what purpose? To bring about repentance. 
to bring about restoration, to bring about revival. And this is for what Habakkuk is praying here and a prompt fulfillment of it. In the midst of the years, make it known. This is what God had told him earlier. And it would be right no matter how it was done, even through the Babylonians, because God is holy and wise. Amen? We've stressed that enough. In fact, go with me back to chapter 1. And notice what it says there in verse 5. As God responds to what was stressing Habakkuk here. He says, look among the nations. Observe. Be astonished. Wonder. Because I am doing something in your days. You may not think so, but I am. You would not believe if you were told. (laughs) And then you come to verse 11. Where he speaks about the Babylonians particularly. He says, they will sweep through like the wind and pass on. But they will be held guilty. They whose strength is their God. So on one hand, God is going to use the Babylonians to bring about judgment, punishment upon Judah. But he's also going to deal with them as well. And you see that in chapter 2, verse 3. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. Revive your work in the midst of the days. In the midst of the days, make it known. Bring about a prompt fulfillment of what you've already said. And I will trust you for that. This sort of reminds me of what Moses sang in Deuteronomy 32 in verse 3 and 4. Listen to this. For I proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, for all of His ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice. Righteous and upright is He. Amen? Amen. We can't sing that enough. Now there's something else for which Habakkuk prayed. And that is a fresh manifestation of Yahweh's mercy. On one hand, it was His might. On the other side of the coin, it was a manifestation of his mercy. And you see that in that last little phrase of verse 2. In wrath, remember mercy. God, as you carry out your plan of judgment, remember mercy. Again, he was praying according to God's promises to his people in the past. Because of his covenant with them. Therefore, God would remain faithful to them. Holding your space here, I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 4. This is a great text. Moses is speaking years before this account in Habakkuk. But it's almost as though he is saying what Habakkuk is experiencing at that present time. Listen to the words of Moses. What he said to the nation of Israel as they were getting ready to go on into the land of Canaan. Deuteronomy 4, beginning with verse 25. 
When you become the father of children and children's children and have remained long in the land and act corruptly and make an idol in the form of anything and do that which is evil in the sight of the Lord so that as to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you will surely perish from the land where you are going over the Jordan to possess it. You shall not live long on it but will be utterly destroyed. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord drives you. There you will serve gods like the work of man's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. Remember we talked about that regarding the Babylonians last week. And then he goes on in verse 29, but from there you will seek the Lord your God. That is in captivity, you will do that. And you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things have come upon you, in the latter days you will return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice. For the Lord your God is a compassionate God. And he will not fail you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant with your fathers, which he swore to them. Did you know... That Jeremiah spoke to this very same thing in Lamentations chapter 3. That wonderful text that we are all familiar with. Yeah, he too was a contemporary of Habakkuk. He was distressed in his heart over Judah and what was going on with them. But then he reminds himself, Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Yeah. He was reminded of that in the midst of all of that. And so that brings us back to what it says in Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 12. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We will not die. You, O Lord, have appointed them to judge. And you, O Rock, have established them to correct. Which brings us to chapter 3 of Habakkuk where it says, In wrath. Remember mercy, just as you have promised your people. What brings this all together is David's words in Psalm 103. You're familiar with these, so turn with me if you would there. Psalm 103. Psalm 103, verses 6 to 11 there. This may be, for some, your favorite psalm. Psalm 103. Beginning with verse 6. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will He keep His anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness, his mercies towards those who fear him. Then verse 17. But the loving kindness or mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to the children's children. And so Habakkuk here prayed for God's will based upon Yahweh's dealings with them in the past and his words to the prophet in the present. 
This reminds me of what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 6, verses 6 to 10. Listen to this. But when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. In fact, the Apostle John who was one of Jesus' disciples, and heard those words for him, shared these encouraging words from 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. Isn't that wonderful? When we pray in his will, we know that we have the requests for which we asked. That's God's promise to us. So how about you, beloved? Is this how you pray? For and according to God's will? That's a good question. Maybe some of you are afraid to because God's will may not be your own. All right. And you want your own. Yes, God wants us to pray. But remember, it's not about you. It's about Him. You see, Habakkuk in chapter 3 is about God and His plan. It's no longer about, oh, why, God, are you doing this? His heart and his mind are focused on Him and what He wants. I like what Chuck Swindoll shared from Kenneth Wilson. Listen to this. There's something exquisitely luxurious about room service in a hotel. All you have to do is pick up the phone and somebody is waiting and ready to bring you breakfast, lunch, dinner, a chocolate milkshake, whatever your heart desires and your stomach will tolerate. Or by another languid motion of the wrist. You can telephone for someone who will get a sordid shirt quickly transformed into a clean one or a rumpled suit into a pressed one. That's the concept that some of us have of prayer. We've created God in the image of a divine bellhop. Prayer for us is the ultimate in room service wrought by direct dialing. Furthermore, no tipping, and everything is charged to that great credit card in the sky. Now, prayer is many things, but I am pretty sure this is not one of those things it is, right? Instead, let me remind you of something that I read to you from E. Stanley Jones just some months ago. He says, prayer is surrender. Surrender to the will of God in cooperation with that will. If you throw out a boat hook from a boat and catch hold of the shore and pull, do you pull the shore to me or do I pull myself to the shore? Prayer is not pulling God to my will, but the aligning of my will to the will of God. 
This is an important principle of prayer that is captured in this passage. It's no longer about what Habakkuk wants. It's about what God wants. His will. And he's praying in such a way. And how do we know God's will? How can we pray accordingly in that way? Very simply. Know what God's word says. How many of us are in God's word on a regular basis? Coming to know him and who he is. And what he has said. The promises that he has given. The plan that he has dealt forth to us. The more you know God's word, the better you pray according to his will. Now I realize there are going to be times when we don't know the specifics. But even then, what do we say from our hearts? Not my will, but thine be done. Because that's the heart of one who fears God. And so may this be true of you. You know, beloved, I asked you at the beginning of this message, how are you responding to all that's going on around you? In this country, in this world. Are you anxious? Or are you bending the knee before your God and Savior? I trust the latter. Because that's what we need to be. Like Habakkuk, bending the knee before our God. You know, this past week, I received a message from the Billy Graham Ministries through Franklin Graham. And I get these every so often. And he was calling Christians and evangelical churches to pray in light of that Equality Act that's out there, that's already been passed by the House and now is to the Senate. Seems like the, 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 the ones that God has raised up are against us. But he's calling churches and individuals to be praying about this matter. You know, I think that's a wonderful plan. Especially if you have not been doing such. In fact, why wouldn't you be doing such? (laughs) Really. Why wouldn't you? And so come boldly unto the throne of grace and pray out of a fear of God and for the will of God. Two principles that we find right here in verse 2. Like Habakkuk, don't hesitate to pray for justice and mercy. Yes, you heard me say it. Justice and mercy at the same time. That is his will. Now when and how and what that looks like is up to him. But we can trust Him to manifest His glory in this way. I know that God is not pleased by what He sees in our world today. In our country today. He's grieved. We're grieved about it. Why not pray for God's justice in this matter? And leave the results with Him. This is His will. And mark my word, His justice is coming. It is. It's just a matter of time. So we can be praying in His will by doing such. We're agents of this, of His will. But at the same time, we need to be people praying for God's mercy as well. You know, I can't help but think that God has been using all that's happened in the last year 
to bring a number of people to repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sure there have been a number who have been saved. You see, Jesus Christ has not come as of yet. And the reason he hasn't is because there's still more to be saved according to his sovereign plan. And you and I are agents in ministering that message of mercy to a lost and dying world. And so when we're talking to people about these times, are we offering a message of mercy to them? God wants to show mercy. That's a part of his plan as well. So like Habakkuk who prayed for God's justice and mercy, let us do the same. It is his will. May God manifest his glory in this way. May God help us to know this kind of fellowship with him in these days. Praying out of a fear of God and for the will of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for your word. And this was short. But God, the message is clear from this verse that we just studied this morning. Two elements of prayer. I pray that, God, we would have hearts that fear you. That we care more about you than ourselves. And that we pray according to your will. Oh, God, you are in charge. We realize that. And so, Lord, shape us like you shaped Habakkuk. May we be concerned for your glory. And so, Lord, as we leave here today, God, put these things upon our hearts. Impress these truths upon our hearts. May we leave here being people who are on our knees before our God. In the times that we are in, may we do this out of a fear of you and do it according to your will. In Jesus' name. Amen.